was the night before Christmas when all through the studio, not a sound could be heard, even Colin's Sioux Studio. The microphones hung on their racks with due care, with no Patreon can't afford a new pair. The tears nestled all snug in their beds, the thong from Felicity stuck in their heads. They'd had a year of peculiar Aussie flicks, boars, hitchhikers, bandits, and Gloriadon's tits. We said all asleep, that's not true as written, for prowling the halls were the two intern kittens. Mayhem climbed the window by way of the screen, moment disappointed leftovers were lean. While trying to snooze on the laptop, saw Mo, the potsploiteers made but forgotten a show. For what the cat's wondering eyes should divine, but the human's work half done, then abandoned for wine. They meowed not a word, there's a podcast to save. Just pausing for kibble, on machine they slaved. A scene so similar was in Midnight's Bears, if David and Bruce had whiskers and more hairs. The clock struck Christmas and the cat's work was readied. Poor sprang to upload, don't need fingers to edit. If they could, they'd exclaim, ere they slept for the night, A podcast for you all. It's Red Christmas. Good night. Welcome to Potsploitation, the Ozploitation podcast. I'm Callum. I'm November. And I'm Daria. And we are discussing Red Christmas. Yes, we bring to you for the festive season 2016's Red Christmas, written and directed by Craig Anderson. Are we doing the trailer thing? We're doing the trailer thing. Nice. I don't know if I've actually seen the trailer for this. No, not right. I wonder how they sold it. Yeah. I think I saw it ages ago when someone first stumbled across the fact it existed, but... I don't think I actually remembered anything. <laughs> that's, that's not necessarily a great promotion, is it? Oh, look, the whole movie's on YouTube. Oh, is it really? Are you sure? Yeah, there it is. Hey, oh, there we go. Dear World, you can see the entire movie on YouTube. Check or, it out. Craig Anderson, if you want to recoup some money, get that shit off YouTube. Video on demand. <laughs> Hands in the oven, presents in 15 minutes. This year I thought before we opened presents, it would be nice if we went around and said what we're grateful for. Perhaps Peter could lead us in a prep? This isn't a goddamn church. And here I thought this would be so easy. I know how hard it can be starting a family late in life. <clears throat> You're on the clock, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> So are we supposed to be misled into a scene that has come some kind of wacky the family comes together yeah, comedy? It, it looks a lot like a, a Christmas family com rom com. <gasps> Living is terror. You're burying the lead there a bit, buddy. Oh, I love doing the phone when I think it's really cool. Is that like when music started and they didn't put a record on? Mm-hmm. Back here. Come back here. Jenny, goddammit! Jenny! Jenny! Oh, comically dark. vision of oh, horror. I pissed myself laughing at Yeah, it's is, it, is, is it supposed <laughs> to be comically dark or are we going for the Wazo retcon that, oh, it didn't turn out so well, we're going to say it's a black Oh, comedy. it was all a joke. Yeah. The Tommy Wiseau effect. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was actually kind of cool with the camera spinning back as she goes back. That one shot was pretty good. If you're gonna have bear traps on the wall, you're gonna use them. Oh, Chloe's yeah. dead. Wow. Whoa. Ah. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, was that subtle? But it's actually not. It's just two flashes of Christmas lights. I wonder if there's a penis there or not. <laughs> what? Oh, did you not see the very close-up penis work that they were doing after the first kill? No. When, so, what are you talking about? When Cletus rips the penis off. Oh, right, and then, yeah. yeah. And then the kind of the camera goes right over the top of the chopping board. Oh, I see, yes. Knowing um, what we now know about Craig Anderson, I'm kind of surprised that there's no trailer voiceover. Yeah. I would have thought it would have been a nod to the old 80s style of slasher films with this Chris. I guess you could probably just read the individual text as that kind of 17-testicle trailer voice. Yeah, true. Yeah. It's also possible he had little to do with the trailer because they often don't come directly from the creators. Yeah. And in fact, per Bering's lead, at no point does that thing mention that someone's would-be aborted fetus has come back to kill them, which is pretty much the oh, key thing. Was there an abortion subtext in this? I didn't, I didn't get that. Oh, that, so it was obviously a little too subtle for me. I wasn't too sure what the general uh, subtext of this one was. It wasn't slapped round my face 17 times with a wet umbilical cord. Yeah. And frozen placenta. <laughs> Why? And I... It, mm. <laughs> oh, and, and that's a question that does come up a lot. It does. So, Red Christmas. The 2016 horror film about an aborted fetus that survived the abortion process. Because protesters bombed the clinic at the time Ma was getting an abortion. And came back to seek revenge on the family, is the way it's actually described by the director himself, although technically speaking, just the mum. And even then... Only after they turn him away on a cold winter's night. Oh, but he has plenty of chances to kill mum and he doesn't. No, no, because he's struggling with the whole mum thing. Yeah. Up to the very end. He just wants mum to, to love him. to kill all the others. Well, yeah, they pissed him off. They all turfed him out. Although they didn't piss on him. Well, actually, no. they didn't piss off Jerry. Because we have no. a disability character who actually is an actor with a disability rather than just a actor mm. pretending. So Jared O'Dwyer is an Australian actor with Down syndrome and he's a really good actor. He's been in a few things. Uh, in fact, there's actually, as with so many of these things, there is a really good solid set of upper B to low A level actors. And, of course, the famous ring-in, which... What a fucking waste of David Collins. What was he thinking? Why was he even there? He's not mentioned once in the making of... What were you doing? Why was David Collins there? One half of the Why Umbilical didn't Brothers. Why did you use him? Well, it, it makes perfect sense. Umbilical Brothers. Oh, mm. for fuck's <laughs> sake. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, How God. bad you've been burning that one since you knew we were doing this. <laughs> I'm actually going to say it literally occurred right now. I'm very disappointed it hadn't come up before in my brain. So there we go. The potted plot summary, the family with the Dee Wallace playing the mother of the family of various Brothers and in-laws and children. Okay, they gather for Christmas at a big old property in the middle of nowhere. And that Christmas morning, a stranger comes to the door clad in rags and a big black cloak, tries to ingratiate himself with great awkwardness with the family. And eventually they kick him out when he tries to read about an incident at an abortion clinic. Mm. An incident was... An attack on an abortion clinic, which was also when Dee Wallace's character, Diane, was 
having an abortion 20 years past, which... Of what looked like a four-year-old child. Yeah, we saw the arm sticking out of the medical bucket. That, which that was, just, was not a baby's hand. That was well, almost a grown-up hand. Which was just kicked into the corner. Well, that's obviously an hereditary thing, because the newborn in the in the end is obviously clearly four or five months old by that stage. But that's <laughs> three months actually, standard yeah. generic kind of... Yeah, you never see the muty-headed actual genuine blood-covered, often poop-covered child that genuinely comes out of a, a brand new... It uh, comes out of a lady's heart. <laughs> um, yeah, I only found out recently... Well, recently. What I, the fuck? No, sorry. I only found out in, like, the last five, ten years that, uh, you know, they come out looking like Conehead, for God's sake. So, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Apparently they are quite freaky. Thankfully none of us have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Cletus, the grown-up version. Cletus the fetus. Cletus the fetus. Every time I heard his name, that's all I could think. <laughs> that uh, I am literally sure that's the only reason the child was named Cletus. I'm yeah. pretty have, sure of it, yeah. We don't have kids named Cletus in Australia. This isn't Appalachia. Well, even Joe says, You don't sound like you're from the South, Cletus. Yeah. Yeah, as he puts on an incredible southern accent. It's made up of good parts. There's bits and pieces in here that could absolutely work perfectly. The family is that classic, the husband has died, the mother is now about to live her second life, she's selling the house and bringing the family together one last time. I thought we were confused about where we were meant to be. Like, Okay, yeah. I want to say now, someone talks about how cold it is in Victoria at Christmas. Yeah. I'm sorry, even before the current the Victoria, fucking weren't they at Robinson? Wave. Yeah, they were in Robinson. Oh, sorry, no, um... I got the impression they were meant to be somewhere in Victoria. I might be wrong. But Robinson. Yeah, what the hell? In New South Wales. But it's a Robinson pie shop. Yeah. And more to the point, it's December in Australia. Yes. It's not That's cold. my point. That's my point. Well, okay. It has once snowed in Canberra at Christmas. Mm-hmm. But, yes, it's usually very hot. Yeah. For anyone... And with their chopping wood and asking if you need to come inside to warm up. And can I also say, I don't know what it was for a Christmas movie... And given that this is called Red Christmas, Christmas didn't sit... I, I don't know what it was. It didn't feel like a Christmas movie in the way that Die Hard or Lethal Weapon or any of those feel like Christmas movies. I don't know what it was. It had all of the elements. It had the lights. It had the presents. It had, you know, obviously royalty-free music that could be played over certain scenes. Oh, when the movie started, I was just like, didn't... no, no more Christmas music. Dude, God, no. <laughs> yeah, it didn't sit in the pantheon of Christmas movies... Christmas or non-Christmas in my brain for some reason. I don't know what it was. I guess that's... Christmas in this movie was really kind of an excuse to bring the family together. Yeah. yeah. Which that... is admittedly Christmas for a lot of people. Well, yeah, but moreover, it wasn't... Christmas wasn't part of the story. Mm. It was just a vehicle so all these characters would be in one place. It was, yeah. yeah it's, and it's one of those things that I remember... I, it's really intangible to me, but I don't know why this didn't hit the Christmas buttons the way that all those other movies did. It's got everything. I mean, it, like I said, it's got the tree. It's got everything you could want. But for some reason, it just didn't feel like Christmas. It's weird. Time, well, there was a lot weird in this film. Time mm-hmm. was really weird. Time was. So the Lego lambs in the oven. Yep. 15 minutes, let's go open presents. Well, we'll, we'll open presents in 15 minutes. Oh, I got the impression. I thought that the, the Christmas was like everybody coming down from the, from the morning. What? Oh, no, that... Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Time is totally mucked up in this film. Yeah. So, um, the 18-month pregnant woman and her partner go off for a quickie. 
18 months. She is so pregnant. That cannot be a single child in there. Well, it is three months old. (laughs) And um, the position they have sex in, I think, would be really problematic when you're so this is that big? <laughs> so this is actually possibly the point we should mention. So there are there are two movies you should watch when watching this movie. You should watch the movie, and then there was a documentary called Horror Movie, A Low-Budget Nightmare, which kind of tracks the making of this film a la um, Heart of Darkness's, you know, the following of making Apocalypse Now kind of deal, the theories of watching a, a an auteur slowly dissolve. And towards the end, after he's got all the shots and he's actually making the cut, he takes himself away on a cruise to finish his work and he actually does a showing in his cabin of to two groups of people. people he's met on the cruise. And Come back to my cabin and check out my horror movie. And the first... like, yeah, yeah, we're not going to die from that. I know, right? Oh, God, that's a really... <gasps> they were Seriously, making an amazing plot. There is just this strange man... On that a would cruise. be an amazing movie. He should. He, I, I understand that Craig wants to make a sequel to this. No, no, no. He should make a movie about a guy on a cruise who lures people back to his cabin to show them a horror movie that then shows them how they're going to die and kills them. That, that actually is far amazing. better than this film. Uh, yes, um, he does have a prequel, uh, sequel planned. It's Red Christmas to Coffin Birth. Uh, and yeah. just what I wanted to say very quickly was that. Um, one of the things he does is he shows he shows a group of people and he shows two groups and the first group is that collection of sort of drunken twenty somethings and they have the same thing they have a big post post showing discussion about the mechanics and the logistics of trying to have sex with someone that's pregnant in that position is pregnant with a meteorite (laughs) and then someone's assured me it can be done or rather they've assured me it has been done well I mean if you if you if you apparently it was empirical testing. Nice. I was going to say if you if you imagine that it's it's not necessarily a pregnant belly but just a large belly by default it would have to be it would have to be done many times. But no? don't you have to be gentle with the like when you she she delivers well, the... that day or the next day. So well, that's that's more a problem of I think the the story only is so aware of how births work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's the punchline to that joke, that famous joke about when the child's, you know, the, the mother's on the on on the table about to give birth and uh, on the bed about it's to give birth. Bad, isn't it? No, no, no. Yes. And the little head pops out and looks at the doctor and says, are you my daddy? And the doctor says, no. And the head goes in again. And then the midwife oh, puts God. her head around yeah. right. and says, are you my daddy? And then it says, then the father looks in and it's like, are you my daddy? Yeah. And then what you do is you tap somebody repeatedly on the forehead and says, it fucking hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. For, I don't know. For more research, go to X Hamster or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, I believe Pornhub is what the young people are using today. <laughs> like any of us would know what the young people are using. Uh, uh, X Hamster, because you mentioned it on the other show. Oh, did I mention X Hamster? Oh, for fuck's sake. I'm 120 years old. <laughs> yeah, when because I, when I went on to X was all like, do you mean X Hamster like former hamster? Oh, that's, yeah. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't remember this, but I don't think I know what X Hamster is. X Hamster is the pre. X Hamster is to Pornhub what Alta Vista is to Google. X Hamster was one of the Does first. Does it still exist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still there. But fucking Pornhub, they they know what they're doing. Well, I. I, I, I are, you, are you looking up how to do it with like a super pregnant lady? Is that what you're doing now? No, I'm failing to write hamster. Apparently, so I'm just going to put that down. Um. Yes. Anyway, Cletus takes ex- exception to the family booting him out and just decides, oh, well, time to do a bunch of murders. Yeah. So this, okay, so here's my first question. Um, all right. Do we think 
that Cletus could have been a redemptive character. Are we analysing this with words? <laughs> God, yes. Um, okay, a redemptive character. That's, I'm sorry. No. This is what we do. No, no, no. No, we mock. <laughs> if he... So here's the question. In, in, the, in the universe of the film, and, and one cat has now just sat on the other cat, <laughs> because that's what they do. Um, They're snuggling and bathing. So it's cute. In the universe of the movie... Yes. If for some weird fucking reason the family had taken Cletus in, could Cletus have been a redemptive no. character? Would he have gone on the psycho killing spree anyway, do you reckon? Well, yes. See, because this is... Well, the thing is, he's plainly not emotionally stable no, God. because someone says, get out of my house, and his reaction to that is to kill all the people. Yes. Also, but... how did he get to the house? Like... Okay. This is the other thing, you're right. He has very low mental capacity. I mean, obviously wouldn't have survived whatsoever. And even our friends who have had a baby that's a few weeks pregnant, that kid is spending ages in Niku. But Cletus, there is a lot wrong with Cletus. Well, yeah, we don't know when. And there is no way he could have by himself managed to get from A to B to stalk this family. The very first note I wrote down when I was actually watching this was, ever notice how life-threatening injury, stroke, deformities always give villains superhuman powers? Yeah, Cletus is really strong. Yeah, Cletus off a penis in a single swipe. Cletus' backstory is kind of odd. It is. I mean, we don't know what point in <laughs> Diane's pregnancy he is But we know removed. it's fairly early. Yeah, but also apparently fairly late because he does not die. I mean, there have been people in real life who have survived abortion or attempted abortion because they they survived it. Usually this is because it was fairly late in the game Mm. and they had enough body, for want of a better word, to survive. Or it's because the actual process didn't work and they were still in there. Mm. So... This looks... I mean, we don't see much detail of the process. Neither appears to be mm. the case with Cletus. We can't judge by the size of his body because... Who the that... fuck knows how big his body actually is? It's, because it's judging by the size... Hair, but there is one giant hand. <laughs> yeah, if, even if that's proportionally correct, he shouldn't fit in, in, the, in the can. So let's... So, okay, so, so let's talk for a few... But, so she um, wants to... Abort this baby. She, she's had three kids already. One of them has Down syndrome. They believe that Cletus is going to have Down syndrome. The husband's um, currently um, oh. going chemo. Mm. Um, we don't know if... She doesn't, she doesn't know if he's going to make it. She doesn't think she can go through and um, bring up another Down syndrome kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the test you do for Down syndrome is around 10 to 12 weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. So there should be a very, very... There should be very little of Cletus to speak of. Unless the cancer is diagnosed very late in the husband. And, I mean, again, we are trying to paste... We're trying to paste solutions over plot holes that I don't think Craig Anderson was paying any attention to when he built this You're damn movie. Right. Um, because then he gets taken from the, the bucket by one of the pro-lifers who then raises him Some shackled cow. in a shed. Yeah. I, as so part of, why shackled in a shed? Yeah, this is the other thing, sort of, we... This is part of the reason I don't think the film is actually trying to make a clear stance on abortion because everyone's coming off pretty loudly because mm. this is this could be an indictment on how pro-lifing works, but there's also some things which could be an indictment on how pro-choicing works. So I think he just chose whatever random elements worked to make the story such that is hang together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this is the, I guess this is the thing. So the 
we, I, we've mentioned, we've talked about it before. So um, Night of the Living Dead had a had a specific point it was trying to make, and, and was a schlock was a schlocky horror second, and was a commentary on a particular aspect of, of society first. Same with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Those original ones were making a point using a, a genre of film that was still relatively new. Everything that came afterwards kind of does it bass-ackwards. They start by going, let's have a fetus that comes back to life, and then they ram a whole lot of shit into it, and then, of course, you end up with this kind of nonsense story that hasn't got a point, doesn't make any sense. Is it pro-life? Is it pro-choice? I Is think it it's anything? just anti-women just... except for D. Wallace. I don't even I know. Think we, we don't I like don't, any women except for D. Wallace. No, I don't think there's even that. I don't think we like necessarily any of the characters. Oh, and, and poor Hope, who dies first. And I, she's I feel awesome. we, yeah, she is a great character. I love her a lot. I feel we need to point out that she is wearing a singlet that says, "Now I have a fabric pen." Ho ho ho! <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. In the documentary, I don't think there's a single shot where Craig Anderson isn't wearing some kind of pop culture shirt. Yeah. <laughs> time he's wearing yeah. NASA but he's, he's wearing a, an American shirt no. every single one he's not wearing yeah. an Australian shirt it's all American it's NASA it's Jurassic Park he's got Ghostbusters he's got references to yeah the point but is there's the also man, universities yeah yeah but he, 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 quite, he lives why this is all this American stuff leads into film like the idea that it's cold at Christmas yeah and that he Basically, borrows the Thanksgiving tradition for the present opening thing. Let's all yeah. sit around and say what we're grateful for. Yeah. And it's really weird because it's not. So, so D. Wallace, it's going to sound really stupid to say, but D. Wallace plays an American mother. So she's the American mother bringing the American traditions to the family. And for one, for the other thing, the family are all adults. They've obviously been through these kind of things dozens and dozens and dozens of times, mm. and yet they're still acting like it's a surprise that D. wants to do Christmas dinner. And it's weird that Maybe this is the Maybe they f- don't do it every year Why? every uh, other year. Well, yeah, I mean, part or of it... Or even since it, Dad died. That's true. I mean, it did feel a little bit like maybe they brought a few people in that hadn't been been there before maybe so um, Ginny uh, hates Christmas so maybe she doesn't okay. go to them Ginny is one of the sisters the incredibly pregnant sister yeah so let's lay out the family for a second so we have Dee Wallace who's the mum Diane she was She's married to Ian mystery, mystery mystery father who um there is actually the picture is I think the picture's this Moses is dad. That's right. Brian yes. Moses is dad. Yeah. Brian Moses um, is really familiar to me. One of the producers are dads. Yeah. There's a lot of second tier awareness and involvement in this. Well, the copy. Um, this is Craig's dad. Yes. And he sort of. It's. I mean, God. It's. It's Ed Wood levels at some point. I it genuinely. Truly is. You're I right. watched the documentary almost wondering if it was a mockumentary. There's sequences and moments in this which are so laughably crazy. When Callum said, "Are we sure this is real?" I'm just like. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I was until you asked that question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we have D.Y. So, so the immediate family members are Diane, Susie, who is the... Who's a Canberra girl. Hey, really? She is, she is. Nice. Susie is one of the daughters. I get the impression the eldest. And she is married... She's the straightest. She's the straightest. And she is married to David, David Collins. David Collins is a fucking priest for some reason. Who's a priest. Didn't and they are the... those things together in my head. A priest who out. wears his collar all, all the time. Because we have to know he's a priest. Mind you, that is the sort of thing I've usually approved of To It's not what a priest really does, but no one else does it, so it, it is a way we need to, to establish. establish. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That he keeps it on through the whole movie. I mean, I don't know. They've only got one set of clothes for him. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the things. I mean, is if you were making a movie, you could actually put a very subtle commentary on the point at which the priest removes the collar and then changes into casual clothing. I mean, you can use that. They simply didn't have time because 
he had to go and watch some people have sex and then go joke off to an armoire. Yeah, no. I um, he was just when you think there are no new sentences. <laughs> That's what priests do. Actually, Congratulations on, on establishing a new collection of words. Jerking off in an armoire has actually come from something else. <laughs> oh, shit. Jerking off in an armoire? What the fuck I is that from? What it is. Oh, I'll, I'll find out. I'll find out. Wow, I was so impressed that sounded original. There's a movie, Local Hero, about a guy who goes to a small town in Scotland for oil and slowly he falls in love with the town and there's a fantastic kind of visual representation of him becoming part of the town as he slowly moves from wearing suits to wearing suits without collars to wearing the jackets to wearing sleeves rolled up and ending up wearing jumpers and things. And that's the point. You could take a priest character and you could make a commentary on them falling from faith or getting involved in something by, you know, losing the collar and all the rest of it. There's no way that level was involved in this movie. No, no. And <laughs> Priest wears collar yeah, all the we time. We actually heard very little about his level of faith. His wife was far more strung up on, like, she was going to turn down the money for fertility treatment because God was all the help yeah. she needed. We didn't hear any such rely on God for absolutely everything from the priest. And I don't think this is unheard of for someone who becomes attached be it married or something else to a person of the cloth to become far more into it than the actual mm. representative i kind of had the impression that fertility wasn't the problem but it was the lack of them having sex oh god no i didn't get that impression at all i kind of got the impression that they were probably fairly with it sexual wise the priest and the wife oh god yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Well, no, i get the impression i got his sorry go i got uh, the... my life uh, life is a house that quote, armoire, life as a house. Oh, that's um, cool. I got the impression that she was only into a very dry, for want of a better word. Missionary? <laughs> yeah, missionary, if you like, form of sex designed to try to make babies. Certainly uh, not for fun. Right, okay. Which fits in with him not being so bound up because he's like, oh, people are doing it in the other room. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, right. Better go and relieve some of myself so I actually have some kind of sexy thought in my head, which I haven't for four years. Mm. And there was actually... Why are you going to the bathroom? It's got a lock on the door. People are going to be okay if you're going to take a minute. That's why she said he was on the clock. He was on the clock in the laundry because they had until the rinse cycle was finished or something, I think. That was what it was. What's that got to do with him, the priest going to the bathroom, though? What? Oh, I thought you meant the couple. Why didn't the couple go to the bathroom that actually had a lock on the no, door? No. Oh, no. right. The priest. Instead of... A wardrobe. Well, he went to his bedroom. I mean, you'd like to think it's relatively... Well, But the one person who doesn't want to find him... (laughs) The one person he most doesn't want to find him is the one person who will come into the bedroom. That's true. After he does. Mm. Anyway, because I want to comment... There's there's a couple of things right at the very start on this film that... You were going through the family. You were telling us which member of the family were which. And Joe is grateful for his medicinal marijuana. (laughs) Yes, yes. Joe appears to be Diane's brother, I'd say. Brother or yeah, uh, brother-in-law. They reference uncle, so I don't know if he's her brother or the husband's or the brother. Husband brother yeah. But he has a sort of American accent. It's hard to yeah, tell. Yeah, he's American. So I'm going guessing that yeah, for whatever reason, he came over with her to Australia. Mm. Where yeah. is he? You've then got want to escape the cold at that time of year. Yeah, the actor's not American. No. no. You've then got the middle sister who is in a relationship with Bjorn Stewart, Scott, the New Zealand so Virginia. guy. Virginia. Virginia. Ginny. And so, yeah, that's a really good point. So you basically your family consists of three daughters and two sons, if you include Cletus. So they've Jerry. had... Jerry. Yeah. Jerry would be the first son. Oh, that's sorry. That's what I'm saying. Sorry. Yeah. I, I totally misunderstood what you're saying. What? Yeah, you misunderstood two. Yes. As, as double one. Yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Hope appears to be 
very young. Like, yeah. I think she is. Well, she's just Clintus. finishing high school. Yeah. So I yeah. Or escaping. In fact, from. yeah. So she's probably finishing high school early. So she's probably very young. So that's post what Cletus. So okay. she's post Cletus. Then they were obviously. Well, they say Cletus is twenty years ago. Yeah. So yeah, she's in her late teens. Yeah, she's yeah. talking about leaving high school. New South sounds... High School, so 17, mm. 18 years. Yeah. And it's interesting because in the early drafts of the film, she was referred to as Cutie Pie because it's one of the sequences where the family were this Craig... This is fucked okay. up. So the documentary shows Craig Anderson sitting with his parents around... Yes, 100%, but can we have a discussion about what we thought of the director before we get to that? Because I'm just wondering how our thoughts changed from watching this anti-abortion or anti-women movie to when we saw him as a person in the I've not I've not planted my flag a lot on this. Don't get this being an anti-woman movie. I don't think it's any more anti-woman than any other mainstream movie made by a guy. I think it might... No, that's what I'm saying. I think it might naturally have become that, but I don't know whether you're saying that Craig was consciously making an anti-women movie. Oh, no, probably not. Oh, right, okay, cool. No. Sorry, sorry. I thought you were... I that's what you're no, 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 saying. No. Let's talk about the product we saw before we saw behind the product right. we saw. Oh, I see what you're saying. All right, cool. Dario, I think you were saying, like, you thought something about him, but then watched the making of, and your thoughts changed? Was I imagining that, or was that a discussion mm. with Callum? That was me. So, basically, I got to the end of this movie ready to shit all over it. I'm not going to lie. I actually sent to Daria after I watched this movie. What did she say? I sent this message. Where the fuck do you find these things? Okay. In this case, by Googling Christmas and exploitation because I thought it would be good yeah. to have uh, one of yeah, them. I sleep. was actually really pleased that I saw this referred to as an exploitation movie in various places. I yes. think that's quite cool. So this is what I sent to Daria. I said, oh, my God, uh, have you got a copy of the docker they made about this laughing? Uh, Daria's response was, no, sadly, at the time we hadn't got one. We, ne- we have one since. And then she said, yeah, it's very dot, 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 well, isn't it? Oh, yes, I did say that. To which my response was, it's dot, 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 amazing. This thing is more tonally schizophrenic than a trio of musicians playing Abide With Me at a state funeral on butt kazoos, and they're in blackface. <laughs> oh, because... I read that and I was waiting for actual blackface. Because, because the colouring in this movie was terrible and they were often green. So this is, well, yes. Except for the pink room. And there was the blue room as well. There was a blue corridor. Oh, there was a blue room. Because this is the thing that really... <sighs> there are two significant issues that come up in this movie. One of them is the discussion about abortion, whether it's right, pro-life, pro-choice. The second is the discussion about disabilities with Down syndrome. And in fact, I'm going to say very quickly, there is an incredibly powerful sequence in the documentary you should watch if you do decide to watch this at all, with Gerard O'Dwyer actually channeling method style to get into scene. They are deep, deep things to talk about. They're not, here is an aspect of society and I want to make a commentary on it. These are deep things. And holy fuck, a slasher movie is not the way to have those conversations. <laughs> because fuck me. I was watching this and I was going, wow. But what was this movie for? I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I see any thought I have on what it was for comes from the documentary rather than the actual movie. And that's Which it. Is, it. The movie all, delivers. I nothing. want to make a film. I want to be a filmmaker. Yeah. I want to be a filmmaker. Me, me, me. I want to be a filmmaker. There's no. This is a story I want to tell. Yeah, and that's the point. <laughs> there's no. To, to, I, it's not even. I had this idea. 
But the only time he talks about the film, he talks about being a filmmaker, but the, only time, the first time he talks about a film, he's like, yeah, I made this stupid film about an aborted fetus yeah. who survives. And he recognises that. He laughs at his own... There are, there are points when he's genuinely pissing himself laughing at his own concept. And that's the thing. Documentary aside, I got to the end of the movie and I was kind of punch drunk. I'm like, what am I meant to take from this? I Yeah, what am I the meant to take from super this? Super strength and how do you split a person in half? And a foot fetish. Oh, wow. Okay, wow. okay, sorry. Yeah, that's all we can talk about, the physical limitations of the ability of... It's superhuman character. It's it's superhuman villain. Too many feet. Combined with made of plasticine like for poor hope. Any feet is too many feet as far as you're concerned, though. Well, that does depend on the angle, but yes, usually... No, you, you hate feet. I do hate feet. I agree completely. Yeah, it's a good thing we're not doing the Tarantino retrospective. Well, no, but all the bodies, you don't see the body lying on the ground. You mostly just see the feet. In shoes, mm. out of shoes, doesn't matter. Like I did actually wonder, there was a couple of points. Oh, God, there was a sequence, yes. At the yes. end of the movie when Dee Wallace is killed, again, the feet, you see them. But when it goes to the next scene, the feet there, her feet are like a foot lower, so yeah. to speak. <laughs> so actually, that was a really good point because there was a, a moment. It's interesting. I don't know whether either of them have admitted to it, but, but the point has been made that both Quentin Tarantino and Joss Whedon may have legitimate foot fetishes. Yeah. To the point they really do close-ups on feet in their movies and ancient films. There is a lot of that in this. And there was a point, I think it was there was a moment where there was some painted toenails. On the pregnant pregnant, Yeah, the pregnant wife. She had And there was a totally unnecessary close-up. And I'm like... Is he a and foot fetish? Her feet weren't gross to me. Oh, okay, right. Well, okay. No, that's <laughs> actually that's impressive because that's a very, very low bar or very high oh, bar. Oh God! Sorry, depending. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, is this guy genuinely a foot fetish himself, or oh, does he, he just don't have any you... fucking money to show anything else? No, no, no. I was thinking, or is he doing it because that's what you do? That's a oh, that's a that's beat. what Tarantino does. That's a beat to strike, and this is the thing, oh, and that's what I wanted to say. Fuck, I reckon you're right. Well, right from the word go, you could almost dot point this film and say, okay, here's the David Fincher opening sequence. Yeah. Here's the Tarantino bit. Here's the Joss Whedon bit. And you could sit and you could watch the film and go, these are the slow motions. These are the angled shots. These are the... Oh, And, and yeah, match yeah. individual directors who are incredibly popular and say, this is the bit where he's trying to be this. Was and so the Lying down, all these shots from beneath—they yeah. were terrible. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe it's a very short camera operator. <laughs> I think they were just sitting down. But another thing about feet, and this goes to what Callum says about this is how things are done, is especially back when you didn't show gross stuff in movies. Yeah. Still, unmoving your feet or hands, but often feet are a good way to show that this person is, is dead. dead. They are not yep. standing, their feet are not moving. Yeah, the rest of foot their, hanging out of mm-hmm. bath. The rest of their body's out of shot. We don't have to hire the real actor back to just lie yes. there. Yes. Point. And then you can also do things like Quentin Tarantino did with Glorious Bastards where you can put your own hands in the shot or the feet, depending on what you want to do. Or the McLovin film. What was the McLovin McLovin? McLovin, with the fake ID, McLovin. No, they had to reshoot the whole start of it because someone decided, like, they didn't know when it was set, so the kid had to take his school ID out of his wallet so you could see the year on it, but someone decided his hands were gross, so they had to reshoot with a hand model. Yeah, that's (laughs) a thing that happens. Super bad. Super bad. McLovin. Okay, here was the point. I lose 97% of audience. Oh, you haven't I seen have it either? Never seen yeah, that's Super okay. It's shit. Not, I've only seen part of it. I'm I, not I mean, a, it's not shit. It's just not my thing. I'm not an Apatow. 
fan. I tried a couple. It's just it does. They don't speak to me. The trouble but, is, it they are those kinds of films which very much flow into each other. Even if you, yeah, hundred percent. I've seen a bundle of them because. Because there's Emma Watson in one of them, isn't there? Yeah, that's yeah. Um, that's, the that's the one. That's the one I. Of, yeah, that's, that's right. the one I did like. That's the one I would go back and watch again okay. because it's a bit meta and clever. Mm. Yes, it's meta. But there's a lot it's where it's self-aware. And and there's actually, a lot of those where gross teenager to young adults is having a party and talking about and how much they like this. And just constantly obsessed with getting their peepees hard. Mm. Yeah, it is rather tiresome. Oh, they were tiresome because they were trying to get their peepees hard. Uh, to be no, fair, that uh, is trying to tiresome. Yeah, no, I did. Oh, look, it's terrible. He's creepy and he smells like urine. It's Christmas. So, Lud, it's not like in a vagrant day. Cheers for letting Satan into the house die. Oh, shut up, Joe. Well, maybe he's lost and we should call someone. Not a dog, guys. <laughs> you could ask. I'm sure the number for the pound is in here somewhere. I was thinking, so someone's at your house and they <gasps> have clear, Sorry. well, you, you are troubled by them being at your house and you throw them out and then you tell them where you keep the weapons. i got a shotgun in the shed. That's a really good point. I hadn't realised that. The machete's upstairs, second door, on the left. There's a shotgun in the garage, the shells are in the second drawer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the code is 2247. I know the code. I can do it in a second. Just so Watch you know. the door. It does stick, so jiggle it and lift the handle a little. That's a good point because he doesn't go with that. At no point does Cletus take the shotgun. No. So it could have been a... Um... Well, he's, he's a horror movie villain. It's it's called a slasher movie, not a shooter movie. Yeah, that's the point. Fair. Yeah. Not, um, a, not a choppy and halfy movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the other trope made of plasticine that some people, when they're attacked by said horror villain, their body structure loses all integrity. Hence and the ability to slice somebody in half with a single axe stroke. Is this movie, like, this movie is so low budget, is that why they all had dumb phones? No, 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 no. I realised that. 20, yeah, go. All of them, no, all of them had smartphones except the priest. No, that's not true. No, they did. They did? They did. They all did. And well, it was why didn't they to Google how to um, deliver a baby? I, um, I mean, that hadn't occurred to me, but I would have, I mean, you know, in the spur of the moment, after everybody else has died, I'll give them a bit of leeway on maybe there's a... You, you let me Google that for you. focused on delivering the baby, which is something that is going to have to be done. Yeah, you can think you'd Google up. How far... Delayed. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what um, does that mean... Oh, my God. Because <laughs> that's actually really weird. I, I was going to ask. That was one of the things that I noticed with Peter because they say, do you have so-and-so's number? Do you have Joe's number? Yeah. And he looks in the phone and he says, no, I've got his name but not his telephone number. So do you have the email there in your contacts? I don't get it. Well, yeah, what, I don't do Why would he either. have just his name and not his mobile number? But, that, that, that's a pretty serious level of procrastination. Yeah. I mean, I can conceive of reasons, but they're really just trying to make up reasons for why that would happen as yeah. right. do a thing that would makes you, sense, hey, especially because it would be much easier if we just said no. Yeah. <laughs> and that's actually one of the things yes, which is... It's a legitimate problem in filmmaking in this day and age, which is the fact that a lot of the kind of classic situations that movies have built themselves on for years and years and years could be solved by mobile phones. I mean, oh, famous, God, yes. famously, you could fix Twilight in the 30-second text oh, message. God, yeah. The and box is set during the 1970s for precisely that reason, because you could just Google who the hell is this guy in What's the, the box? first... box? 
Oh, it's supposed to be a creepy thriller film, but it's done by that Southland Tales guy, so it completely goes left field somewhere partway through. Mm. It's what happens when you get a half hour episode of The Twilight Zone and think this needs to be 19 minutes long and I've just run out of ways to expand the half hour. That's the reason Twilight Zone was only half an hour. But same thing, they could have just killed the whole story within a minute. Someone would have posted on a message board... Don't take a box from this guy because this and this and this will happen. Right, Mm. yes. I'm going to call it now. I think it's lazy fucking writing. And the reason I think that's the case is I watched The X-Files. I I don't want to say grew up on The X-Files. I was already in my late 20s when The X-Files came out. No, you weren't. Yeah, I was. Anyway, my point being that series revolved around mobile phones. Chris Carter owned it. He had, right. them, he had them both have mobile phones, and there are very few episodes where, oh, no, there's no signal. It's a, I mean, God, there's less signal in movie fucking world than there is in semi-central Australia, for God's sake. So you can make it work, yeah. but so many of the kind of the classic film tropes and storylines and plot threads require characters to not be able to communicate with yeah. each other when they're away from each other well, and so you have to contrive a reason in this one also work. we know the phones are still working so we haven't got yeah. the blanket signal loss so when the sheriff when the sheriff comes <laughs> when craig's dad is the sheriff comes and dies they okay. could say let's call the police and tell them a police has been killed yes which will probably make them send more police many police and for what it's worth there are more police and, and many police happen at the end and I was going to give Craig props for that because I love the fact that they didn't just cut to the phone and go no signal and then throw the phone away they made the call they got the police he actually used the fact that the property itself was remote as a way of bypassing the concept of we can't immediately get help here because we... Cletus killed the lights. So yes. Cletus killed the power. I was very disappointed they didn't end up being a kind of an almost Benny Hill version of them one to turning the power on and the next turning them off and the turning it on and turning it off. That's fucking hilarious <laughs> and I would love that. But Joe managed to turn some power back on but it only affected coloured lights. I don't get why they didn't turn the rest of the lights on in the house. No, not at all. That does actually make sense to me. Oh, so really? It is a bit, I am making sense what happened in the movie. Yeah. Because it could be... Because people know their way around the house and the intruder doesn't. It could be that whatever Cletus did to cut the power balked something. Blew some fuses to the main. Uh-huh. Yeah, and only the plug-in lights, which would be the coloured Christmas lights, could come back on. The main okay. lights did not. I'll give that. That has happened in houses I've been in, so I'm prepared, yeah, to, okay, okay. I'm prepared to give them that. I don't know if I'm just apologising for Craig Anderson again, but it does actually fit. Yeah, so I'll give Craig some props for not just... Oh my god, there's no signal, we're yeah. in the middle of nowhere. I in fact, they did cool. use the phones creatively Yeah, the location thing. I need to distract him. Christ, okay, I've got it. Do you have Joe and Scott's numbers? Uh, Joe and Scott, yes. Okay, I want you to call a different cell number, including mine, every uh, 30 seconds. Okay. All right, I'm going to hide him around the house, keep the son of a bitch busy, okay? All right, okay. And that's the thing. How did you get that? Okay. Because, okay, so we had Dee Wallace. She was going out to, what was she going out to take? She was going out to take the lattice off the outside of the house because Cletus was climbing up the lattice. Yes. Took uh, three phones with her, Mm -hmm. to which all the priest had the phone number of, and said, call them every 30 seconds and I'll hide them in different places. But all they seemed to do was scare the shit out of herself. No, um, well, mm, yeah, I... 
Well, the idea was to mislead him as to where they were. It's yeah. It just kind of didn't work out that way. And she forgot to pass her phone. Well, actually, that was a really weird one, is that... Because you could have just gone out to the yard, quick, one of... Well, I, I kind of got the impression that she was burying she was burying them. She was putting them in pop lines, but she was putting them in pop lines round the house. And then I don't get why she wanted him to call her phone. Because that was one of the ones being planted as well. Well, no, because she was always going to keep it with her. Oh, was she? Well, that was the thing. I don't know. That's Craig. Help us out here, buddy. What were you trying to say? Because she came out with three phones. Yes. And she asked him whether she, he had. All phones the of the uh, previously deceased. And the idea was to be distractions. Plant one yeah. here, plant one here. There's no way she's going to get rid of her own phone. So I don't get why Peter was going to call her phone to begin with. Yeah. And then you hear him at one point going, come on, pick up, pick up, pick up. So but, he's obviously trying to actively call her now. Yes, but the plan was never for her to pick up. The plan was to plant those phones as distractions. Mm. So I've just realised. Yeah. We've talked about the literal opening credits and the final denouement. <laughs> Should we discuss the way the no, <laughs> the stuff yes, comes to the end? But <laughs> the scene where Dee Wallace dies and leading up to that is so confusing. Visually. Oh, as opposed like, to all the just, rest of the movie that oh, just sort I of know, follows a nice... But you can kind of work out what's going on in other things, but like that and just the, you know, 30 seconds leading up to whatever, it's just you don't know what's going on, what's coming from where. Do you want to hear my dodgy theory on this? I do, Callum. And so do the listeners. Okay, Craig, I really, I really kind of like you. I know, it feels um, so bad to be shitting on a post person. Post the doco, I feel for what you were trying to do, I kind of cast you in a bit of an Edward character. I think Craig has aspirations of Shakespeare. That makes so much sense. Everybody had to die. This was a oh tragedy. Everybody had to die. There was right. no reason why Diane had to hang herself. I mean, it's a Christmas movie, and here is a guy, you know, deeply involved in pop culture. He could absolutely have made Diane do a uh, John McClane out the window. Oh, now and I hang. need to have his own Wikipedia page so I can see if he studied literature at UNSW. And the reason I think that is because there was so much reference to Jerry's character being all about Shakespeare. There's actually a Shakespeare poster hanging up in a wall yeah. in one of the rooms. I think it's Jerry's room, but I don't... I don't. It must be Jerry's room. Also, oh. Jerry does create Shakespeare if yeah. to it. And yet, instead of making Diane the gremlin's mum, for want of a better word, the mother that, no, that's, when that works. sort of presented all this just goes fucking hardcore, she intentionally kills herself. And I think really? it's I think it's a, a nod to... Hamlet. Hamlet. I think it's a everybody has to die. Wow. And did she intentionally kill herself? Well, that's the thing. She could have. She could have. This is the the confusion of that that yeah. scene. What that, those scenes? What happens is she survives the attempt by Cletus to choke her with the chain. Yes. And then you can remove the chain if you want. Yes. She chooses to not, and it's she like leaps if out you the want. window. Someone tries to strangle you. And, and it leaves you. Leaves you. If you're still alive, you take the thing that's choking you off your neck. Yeah. So the reason that she then kills herself by throwing herself out the window... Or was I, it that's the only way she knew she could kill Cletus once and for all? No. She can absolutely wrap it round her arms and yeah, jump right. out John McClane style mm. and fucking take him out. There was no reason why it needed to be round her fucking neck. You become a mother of Except... Melodrama. Wow. 
Yeah, I think sure. Is yeah. my if, if she was feeling read on that? I mean, if she was feeling bad about killing Jerry, you'd think there would at least be a bit of cooling off period before she made that decision. Yeah, and she absolutely projects the killing. So of was it suicide? Jerry, a murder suicide. It was suicide. It was suicide. Oh, I. Well, sorry. I mean, I got that. Sorry, I. I absolutely. I got didn't. That. I just got confusion. Oh, she was kind of sort of wrapped around. She was going to jump out, and it was all. She yeah, was just so cringy. She, she forgot a chain was around her neck, basically. Yeah. I don't know yet. No, so I She would not be the first horror movie character. I mean, let's not lay this entirely at Craig Anderson's doorstep. She would not be the first horror movie character to not take a simple step that would prevent their own death. No, absolutely. What's the movie where the heroine stabs herself and kills the villain in the process and they end up... Where does she stab herself? Through the stomach? Through the stomach. um, With a spear and they end up dying together. Oh, is that the one on a boat? Fuck, I can't remember. There is a movie where, you know, they're, they're doing... Hit us up on a, Facebook, listeners. Yeah, please. They're doing a big fight scene. I remember a woman that did that, but the woman actually survived because she'd been clever slash lucky enough to well, yeah, it's hit just fewer like, of her own vital parts than the villain it's behind It's just her. like when John McClane shoots himself through the shoulder to get to the guy no. behind him. I think, actually, I don't think it's a female character that's doing it. I think I might be remembering Ravenous. I have a feeling. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Ravenous is when they hug each other in the... That. No, Ravenous is when they hug each other in the bear trap. I'm sure there's a movie where it's... somebody continually pushes a spear through themselves because they've caught the... the vi- I'm pointing, yay. They've caught the villain behind themselves and they die together on a tree or something. Anyway, but this death was unnecessary unless... It's suicide, and in which case, if it is... I'm just going to stop the cat from eating the Christmas tree ornaments. That would be good. Hey, baby. Do you reckon there's the possibility of getting edible ornaments that we can then... Do you want our cats hang... to have edibles? No, no, I just... I, I... I think I did, you? Man, you're terrible. Hey, you brought it up, man. Unfortunately, if you get the cat edible ornaments, they will eat them all. Mm. <laughs> so this has made me realise that yes, for all his love of the slasher movie... Craig Anderson didn't bring us the final girl. No. The final girl. Oh, yeah, that's right. The closest you get a couple Because that's of... the virgin. The virgin gets to live. The innocent. Well, he killed the virgin first. If we're going to call... What? Oh, okay. Don't know why you're deciding an 18-year-old girl's a virgin, but go on. No, well, sorry. <laughs> in, in storytelling terms, she would be the young lady, therefore the maiden, therefore yeah. the virgin. The only character who could conceivably be the virgin in this story is the young girl. All three of the other... One of the women is trying for pregnancy. Dee has already been pregnant. And Ginny is actively pregnant. The only one who has it. Who you could conceivably and say is not had sex. And her name is Hope. Could be Hope. And she dies first. I can't believe we haven't mentioned how hard Cletus is to understand. He has spoken dialogue. It should have subtitles. Now, this is very interesting because Cletus's character is played by somebody who is non-disabled, as far as I can tell. Mm. They're putting on a Down syndrome voice. Yeah, it's problematic. And I'm they're putting curious on, yeah. about that. I, I, I think mm. they're putting on a Down syndrome voice and trying to put on a I'm generally deformed and decrepit mm. voice on top of it. And it's all kind of layering up to be a bit much. And also really? brings the fridge logic that when we do see his face, he does not have lips. He could not say half oh, the I'd... things he's saying. Oh, that's so true. When we got to the end, he reveals his face. I'm just like, that's not that bad. You don't know, wear the whole cloak thing. That's well, not also, that bad. It's... worse faces. Also, oh God, it's... why does he have that kind of face? There's no reason for Elephant Man. There's literally no reason for Elephant Man. Because if it's supposed to be because... It's a distorted version of a fetus face. He 
aged for 20 years, and after a fetus's face ages for 20 years, it looks like a person's face. Mm. Yes. It looks somewhat like we looked like when we were 20 years old. Exactly. It, That's where I'm going. When I say Elephant Man, I'm being very specific. It was like it was intended to look like Elephant Man. It really struck me as the first time that John Hurt's character actually pulls the hood away. Hmm. In, in fact, the actual silhouette profile of the lower forehead on the left-hand side and then the higher forehead on the right-hand side, I think you could probably see the two. So I'm wondering if they were going for that. In his mystery 20 years of being saved and then chained up in a shed by that guy with whatever yeah, he's why doing. why chained up in a shed? Why anything of his 20 <laughs> years between But was abortion? he chained up in a shed? Well, he was definitely chained. We saw the chains on him. Yeah. All oh, right. And how he got unchained, I don't know. This is the thing that they kind of raised a lot of questions by showing us anything between abortion and revenge. Yeah. Which is why there's no way it could be a redemptive character. This kid's being practically tortured and for 20 years and I imagine in physical pain, but also taught hate against the mother. Taught well, hate against Maybe that women. was the pro-life guy's long-term plan, that he was going to rescue the fetus and grow it up to be revenge against the mother for being a bad person who has abortions? So this is the point I wanted to say, which is... The the reason why I asked about whether there was the potential for it to be a redemptive character or not is one of the kind of the, the core tropes of a horror film where you have a bunch of slasher victims like this is that the victims bring it on themselves somehow. Sometimes it's really blatant and oh, really yeah. overt, but occasionally you need to show that they brought it upon themselves in a way that makes sense to the protagonist. Yeah. And... They haven't done anything, with the exception of the mother, with the exception but, of Diane. I mean, sometimes it's just you've done something really fucking dumb. And that's the... in you forgot to close a door or you oh. left the blender on when the power's out and that comes through your eyes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems amazing. But the point that is... That actually was really good with the eyes spinning mm. before it comes through. It was so hilarious. That was good. It's a shame that the next shot of that fake head is so... And that's laugh. Anyway, the point <laughs> I'm trying to make is... There is this theory that they need to have been shown to have brought it upon themselves. And the only person, technically speaking, who is guilty at the point when Cletus first turns up is Diane. She tried to abort him and didn't. So the rest of the family, and I don't know whether you noticed or not, but everybody basically gets involved in turfing him out, like to the point of physically, like some of them actually lift him up, some of them are yelling That's at him. That's not true. No. They, oh, okay. Yeah. If you were including yelling, then yelling. sure. I mean no offence. I approach from a place of love. You need to leave now. During my father's liberation of life, he came across my... Get out! You get him out! I got a shotgun in the shed. You come back and I'll use it. You ever come back? Jerry. Joe, get inside. There's not a single person in the family who Good King Wenceslas is it. I'd have to recheck that because there's Hope back in the room. Uh, I'm not Hope. sure she is. She went off to help make the tea. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm not, not sure too sure, sure about that. Back in the room. That she may be the kitten. Uh huh. 
Kill the Kitten. You know about Kill the Kitten? We've talked about Kill the Kitten before, haven't we? Yeah. She may be the... And that's the other thing, is that if we're going on that initial... Are you sure we still should have pets? <laughs> no. The um, idea is you show your villain doing something oh, bad, like killing a defenseless yeah. animal to... Yeah. So the audience knows this is a bad person. And yeah. if we're holding Hope up as the potential virgin in this, then mm. she's the innocent that's killed. She's the first victim. But... That's what I mean is that technically speaking, when he arrives at the door, he has a letter for his mother and his first kind of real words are, My father believed in vengeance, but I believe in love. Something and he gets over in about half an hour. Well, yeah, exactly. Where does the axe come from? He doesn't knock at the door with the axe. No, no, it's from outside. It's from chopping wood. It yeah, that, that, oh. that Chekhov's axe was laid because yeah. during the toking scene. Yeah how incredibly cold Christmas in Australia is. But that's the thing. That was why I asked, you know, is he a potentially redemptive character? Because he comes to the door notionally with the potential to go two ways. And when Diane is confronted with the what she's told her whole family is a miscarriage and turns out to be an abortion, and the so whole in that sense, family... that gives her that layer of guilt because if, once you step outside the what do you think of abortion thing, she mm. is still lied to her family, which could be seen as a, quote, sin in that context yeah if you're looking for a reason why he goes the way he goes there's technically in horror movie logic there's no unjustified killing i mean he literally rips the penis off the guy who's pissing on him yeah and then the entire family joins in getting rid of him possibly with the exception of hope I, I, you're right about that I, i'm not too sure but up until that point you could argue that he's come to the door he has his letter my father was all about, you know, basically blowing people up. I'm not that person. And that's actually interesting because it, you could then argue that there's a very interesting story about Cletus. I don't get through. why Diane slaps Susie across the face when Susie says, did you have a miscarriage when Dad was sick? Oh, I mm, I read melodrama again in that one. Yeah, okay, fair. So, yeah, so I think that – and, again, I – I watch something like this, and we analyse these on that kind of seven-tier level of meta-ness and awareness of other movies, and sometimes you just look I at it and you go... I'm a dumbass. No, 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 you're not. <laughs> you're not. I would argue that Craig has every reason, Craig Anderson has every reason to know some of these tropes, and where Joss Whedon, for example, specifically takes these tropes and twists them because... That's where the humor lies, or does, you know, Cabin in the Woods. Which yeah. Is fucking amazing. Yeah, brilliant. Craig arguably has enough knowledge of the tropes to potentially at least be making his film with that knowledge. What's he doing with uh, it? We I don't, don't know, know what Tarantino's first feature film looked like. What was his first feature film? Well, he script doctored on It's Pat. That's right. It's Pat. The movie. Oh, Pat. Is that a banana in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> no, it's a banana. And surely Joss Whedon had one... Did he have a feature film before the Buffy movie? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Joss, Joss everyone Whedon. says the Buffy movie absolutely sucks. so... Yeah, and if you ask Joss Whedon, stroke, refer to Joss Whedon, he is determined to say that it was not his fault and that wasn't yeah, the movie yeah, yeah. he was going for. It's the same with Aliens 3. So that was the reason I was asking, you know, at the end of the day, is Cletus potentially redemptive at the start? Did the family bring it themselves? No. Yeah. Yes, that wondering. would be victim blame. <laughs> <laughs> Literal. <laughs> I think partly that Cletus' backstory is also a little muddled doesn't help. Yeah, of course. 
I th- honestly think it would have, if the last we saw of him was being taken up out of the bucket mm. 20 years ago, and then we just jump to yeah. the present, I don't think we need to know what happened in between. And in fact, any attempt in that sequence to let us know what happened? Other- yeah, well, the film I was agree. only 82 minutes. I think he had needed to put more stuff in, yeah. really. Well, I, I agree that it blurred the problem, because basically it turned... The question is, you know, is he an extremist? At the end of the day, I mean, you know, there's, there's a literal... Fucking um uh um not pipe bomb, bomb oh, God, belt a, a, yeah, belt suicide bo- vest suicide vest that's there it sorry go. thank you there is a literal suicide vest at one point clearly they are trying to establish the concept of these guys as fundamental extremists fundamentalists and then how did Cletus who arguably of all of them has the most legitimate reason for being anti-abortion. Technically knock at the door with, I could go either way. My yeah. father, which I'm assuming is his adopted father, I'm doing that. I assume quotes. he means the guy who got the, the bucket. Yeah, yeah. The one who raised him. Yeah. You know, my father uh, was about vengeance, but I'm about forgiveness or redemption. I can't oh, remember which love of those two or whatever it was, we guess. Um, so it was that father using Cleveland. Maybe yeah, that's why Cleveland has super strength. Like, Cletus has been working out day and night for 20 years. Which, if he's been raised to this, does he have much agency at all? Yeah. No, I, well, no. I'm trying to think of any sort of semi-mainstream movies where a parent or a guardian raises a child to carry on their legacy and the child rebels against it. There must be, surely, but I can't think of any immediate ones off the top of my head. I'm curious about that. There's a lot of stuff. I was afraid this was going to be a long one. How are you holding it? I wasn't because I had so few notes. Well, there's so little film. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And we're reading in levels, which I I argue probably Craig had no fucking... All of our fucking podcasts are longer than the damn film was. And in this instance, and it's really weird, because I've watched the making of, I almost feel like this is also longer than the film. Yes. Yeah, oh god, I... by by ages. I almost feel like this is a genuine conversation with Craig. But that's the thing. I am actually recording this with an awareness that there is the distinct possibility that Craig may actually listen to this. I'm kind of curious. These are questions I'm sort of asking. Where did the plot come from? Because none of that's covered. And I'm no, wondering about those levels and tiers. And I mean, you know, we read 17 levels in because that fucking hell, that's what we do. It is easy to imagine coming up the premise in only no. a few minutes because, well... It's it, it, it's 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 a thesis thing. comes back to life. There's and still in, the why. Yeah, yeah, that's the deeper thing, and that's the thing because I know he's because he's worked in television because he's so deeply ingrained. In, I mean, you look at the wall of movies he's read. He knows these tropes, but he presents working in television. No, no, yes. Yeah. This is why we need to have a break and come back to it. The only thing I ever wanted to do was make a movie, so I'm going to make a horror movie. Yes! You've got a placenta in your freezer? I'm so ready to touch your placenta. I'm not rich. I sleep on the floor of a warehouse. This is the moment I'm on my way. Hey, man. Uh, that's my red belt in uh, karate. Yeah. Hoya! Okay, that was very close. And squirt, squirt. The whole part up to that point in your movie is great. You're not doing it like Kill Bill, are you? How do you my want mom, people to die? 
Well, don't see gently. <laughs> Action! All right, you okay, Dad? So it's been a bad day. It was like a roller coaster ride on Disneyland, but with the actual possibility of death. Shooting. I can't comprehend what will happen if this doesn't work. Oh shit! Is my nose bleeding? It bleeds when I stress. The cash amount I need has gone up $60,000 in the last two days. If I don't have cash soon, I'm in a lot of trouble. I've cast Hollywood actress Dee Wallace from E.T. She's got to get on the plane in two days. You're asking her to break her union's rules. If she doesn't turn up, I don't know who will be in the film. What the hell do I do now? I'm about to lose the money I owe my brother. This is your life stream to make this movie. You're finally making it, and at the last hour, it could all crumble. It could go bad. It's about an aborted fetus that returns and kills its family. <laughs> of course, it's going to be terrible. As we've alluded to throughout the show, there is a documentary about the making of this film called Horror Movie Low Budget Nightmare. And it's, it's excellent. Yeah, Arguably it's, more interesting than the movie. Oh, 100%. <laughs> it's basically covering Craig Anderson from his I Think I Want to Make a Movie right through to I Made This Thing, How Are Things Now? Yeah. There's a famous movie, it's either Heart of Darkness or In the Heart of Darkness, which is the documentary of the making of Apocalypse Now where you see the descent of a director, an auteur director, damn near again to the point of suicide. And there's been joking references to sort of photos of Peter Jackson when he started the Lord of the Rings series to the way he looked at the end. And, I mean, for the best of the world, and I love Peter Jackson, he was never a felt, amazingly healthy, rugged man, but by the end of The Hobbit, he looks wrung out. And he's admitted himself that he's a man. And... With Craig Anderson, you basically watch it happen in one film. Oh, you really do. He starts at the start. He's, you know, I'm, this is my dream. I've been working in television for what I want to do is be a filmmaker. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. I've been hitting the gym most days. I've been going swimming. I'm feeling fit. I've lost 30 kilos. They show him making brown rice sushi. And- yeah. And then the blows start raining down on him and he's off to McDonald's and he's not great by the end of that movie. He has certainly put all that. A lot of it is a rather sad learning process because one of the reasons these blows keep happening through production, well, part of it is that's what happens when you make a movie a lot of the Mm. time, especially Mm. your first one, but because, and this, this is something he admits during making the film, so I'm certainly not slagging him off or anything, there was a lot about making a movie he didn't know and mm. found out the hard way. Yeah, mm. uh, he wants to make a movie for something like $88,000. Mm. Then he's doing the budget not long after. He's like, okay, I'm down $100,000. But you're not down. You just haven't done a budget before. Yeah, and it's interesting because he says in the same sentence, he goes, and, you know, I'm down 100000 because I made a budget. And I actually, I actually said to the television, we no. said to the TV. It's not because you didn't make a budget. And as we were saying that, he says... And actually, it's probably because I just didn't make a budget from the start. Um, and this is interesting because we don't know how to make a film. You know, we critique them, we look at them. We're not – I like to think we're not – I mean, you know, yes, we give star stroke back stroke toaster stroke, you know, horn ratings at the end of each episode. But we're not necessarily critics to a certain extent. But 
we have no idea how to make a film. He's in the industry and he himself doesn't really at the start know how to make a film. I mean, he laments very early on, geez, it would have been a lot easier if I had an AD and a production designer. Well, that's the thing. Like, he wants to save all this money mm. by doing all these roles himself, which I totally get. And, yes, you have all these skills, but you can't do them all at the same time. And And so the first shoot, they think it's going to be a three-hour shoot. It goes to at least nine hours. Yeah, and certainly you can't do that if you're going to be at professional level and use the time the way he's plotted mm. out. His time to money to ability ratios are kind of out of sync, mm. and they are crunched by getting Dee Wallace in mm. because yeah. she cost a lot of money and she was coming and going to work on particular days, and these were pretty much set, mm. and it was either have it was either looser altogether or do all sorts of things to make sure things happen in these days. Mm. But that also meant a lot less flexibility on other things. And let's, I mean, let's talk about that for a second because this is the Hollywood factor in this movie. We talk about the fact that, you know, one of the cornerstones of an exploitation movie is one or more known actors that you then use to bring in the, the viewer. Yeah. Dee Wallace, I... <laughs> I love that she looks so... Prim and adorable oh, she's and lovely and loving and swore like a fucking sailor in this. She's, she is not Angelina Jolie. She is not A-grade by any stretch of the imagination, but she brings with her the Hollywood the shackles. She brings oh, the, the, sag. the mm. sag. She brings the rules. She brings the requirements. She brings not, not quite method, but she brings a level of obligation on Craig that Craig himself admits is incredibly intimidating. She ends up with a producer credit on this. Yeah, it's interesting. I'd be curious to know whether she genuinely dropped money on this or if it was sort of a bit of a solace to the fact that um, there was some real payment issues. I'm really curious about, uh, like, say, uh, Tolly Can we go back to that? Yeah, of course yeah, we can, absolutely. Cool. Um, so, so Dee brings for want of a better word, a taste of genuine filmmaking. And it's something Craig is massively unprepared for. I mean, his dad picks her up at the airport and he laments about the fact that he took her to McDonald's. They have to find personal space for her during the set, so they actually use... I have the... a thing to say about the dad. Yeah. But the dad, I'm yeah. when you are. It really is his taste of this is what making a real movie is like. And he's not like a... She's three or four rungs down that ladder so it's really interesting when you're watching the documentary to see that your actors if you're making a a real movie in inverted commas you're gonna need to accommodate writers you're gonna need to accommodate and not potential packs of chocolate not 12 packs of chocolate hidden around (laughs) we we do need to circle back to the fact that caliber stayed at this place yeah, oh, sorry, I, yeah, not the main house that's actually used in the film, but the that's staging. It's horrendous accommodation. It's not. It's spectacular. It's really, really It's good. horrendous in no, this. No, it looks terrible in this, and it's and not. And the towels are gross, and the water's brown. Uh, no, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the towels and the water and everything were fine for what the Lauren or the Lawn, I can't remember what they're actually called, is the particular place I stayed. Real quick, years ago, because I do a little bit of amateur photography, I fell into the trap of doing that thing where you're a photographer, you can come and photo shoot our wedding because you'll be free and we'll pay for you to be there. And I actually went to Robertson and there's a couple of amazing properties there. I actually stayed at the complex of cabins and buildings that the guys use as their production headquarters. And one of them is used, the Hobbit Hole or whatever they call it, is used for D. 
for her and accommodation. The fact of the matter is, is they're on tank water and they're off the main grid. And so Craig realizes the day before that he's basically asking his, you know, American star who's flown over his business to go somewhere with brown water, with and brown gross water house. and gross house. So he has to basically kind of clean the entire place. Now, I will say, as someone who stayed there, it was wonderful. And it's, it's well, maybe they had water that year. No, 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 no. It's it, when were you there? Early two thousand. The point is, is that it markets itself on the semi-rustic attitude. So all of okay, gross house aside, things like potentially slightly stained water and so on, that was part of the aesthetic and part of the environment, and it was understood that that was what you were getting. So it's amazing to see a producer, director, writer stagehand gaffer, whatever the fuck else he did, editor, suddenly find himself so deeply out of water. Oh, yeah. Well, he's gone straight from a metaphorical, we'll give you 50 bucks and get changed in the staff toilets. Yeah. Yeah. To, here's a rider, I need a trailer for all my accommodations, I might have to accommodate for my staff too, Mm. and here are the dates I'm available, and there'll be Mm. none other either side, and I'll go back at the end of this. There's a particular type of book that you can read and you actually read two books, and one of them is the main story, and then the second is like a, a key that tells you about the story. A really good example is... Uh, talk about yourself for a second. Well, okay, I will say... So we don't necessarily love Craig Anderson during Red Christmas, and then we go to this making of, which is excellent, and any filmmaker, young or new filmmaker, should watch it. And then we see, like... We're filming in this room of his that's covered in pe- pictures of women, many of them semi-naked. Uh, that's just Boris Vallejo stuff. Sorry? That's it's just what? like Boris Vallejo. It's not that... I, don't I have no idea really... these words you're saying. Okay, so Boris Vallejo was an artist who did a ton of fancy to Conan the Barbarian Oh, right, 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 right. So I, I never saw it as porn, because if you look at the styles of the actual posters and things... I didn't see it as porn, but it sure as fuck wasn't art. It wasn't art. All right, okay. <laughs> and then we feel sorry for him because he hasn't been able to have sex for five years. And I was just like, those posters can't be helping. Well, he can't even jerk off to the posters, he says. Well, no, that's right. He should but- get some dull posters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy clowns. <laughs> Margaret Thatcher and the cult. <laughs> and he did actually have an adult section of his video collection. Yeah, which of course, because Jerry like, was there Jer- watching a porno. Jerry Jer- Jer- O'Dwyer, there was an hilarious sequence where basically Craig has to come across and say, possibly while we're doing costume testing, you might not want to be watching hardcore porn on the main television. He's like, no, no, no I'm used there. to it. I can watch porn. It's like, yeah, you're not getting the context, but <laughs> But then Dad. So Dad's not a reader, but Dad goes through the script. And mm. uh, so obviously the character of Hope has changed because they had her as a younger They had her girl. as a much younger one, yeah. Yeah. So Dad's saying, no, um, Cletus should grab at her and rip her blouse off mm. and then she should be running through the forest in her underclothes. And Dad's like, she's seven. Whoa, what the yeah. fuck so is Craig going is on a... there? And that's... Oh, sorry, Craig, she's seven. And I'm going to say, I'm going to go down two paths on this. On the one side, fucking creepy as hell. Jesus, dude, what the hell are you talking about? But on the second side, I'm going to say, kind of recognises the genre. But in the genre, they're usually 17 and yeah. played by they're 27. We no, don't see yeah. semi-naked in fact, seven-year-olds because in, in that genre, okay, that's actually up. highlight that fact. In, yeah, in the genre, if we're talking about those rules, people under 10 are pretty much immortal. Yeah, that's true. Fuck yeah. That's true. That's right. Or they, they die off screen. Yes. Yeah. 
Or between movies. Yes. Yeah. But um, there sure is not in their niggers. The Yes. What I was actually trying to say, um, there is a particular thing called a Romana Clay, which is spelt Romana Clef, but it actually, according to this, is, is Romana oh, Clay. And say that I'm not too sure about the pronunciation because I've only ever. Oh, well, the way November's written again, it would make a great burlesque name. Romana Romana <laughs> um, Yes, excuse my writing. And basically, it's a, it's the concept is it's a novel or a story with a key, and the idea is is you read the story, you, you get the main plot, and then you read something else, and it's the key to understanding. I would argue that Red Christmas, if you wanted it, it's not necessarily, I mean, you could watch Red Christmas in and of itself and appreciate it or not appreciate it as what it is, but it really is a Romana Clef, and I would argue that if you're going to watch one, watch both. Watch the movie, watch the movie a couple of times, then watch the documentary together, because I really think the documentary is the key to the movie. Um, I watched it like a sandwich. I watched the film, then I watched the documentary, then I watched the film again, having learned things from the documentary. I never got a chance to watch the film the second time, and I feel like I missed <coughs> something. How did that play out? Was it interesting? Did it work? Yes. I didn't think it needed <laughs> the second watching, to be honest. What's that? I didn't think it needed the second watching. No, but I would. For me, if I on had the, the second time, watching, I could take what I'd learned <clears throat> of the experience of the process of the people <clears throat> from the documentary and go... What was happening when this was being made? I mean, mm. if nothing else... Like geopolitically? I don't know. No, between the people. Oh, right. Okay, right. <laughs> wow, that was a deep dive. No, I mean, like, the fact that the sheriff is his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once you know his dad's character from the documentary, the sheriff is like, no, I don't funny. Yeah. <laughs> and the, like, the dad like the cannot point. quote films. Where he like, what was his... Like, a, Who are you going to get? Who yeah. are you going to get? Yeah. Ghostbusters. <laughs> That was hilarious. And he's also bodging the, um, did he fire six shots or only five? Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, painfully, painfully it, so. It was the weirdest thing. The sequence where he's on the luxury ship and he looks at his dad and he says, oh, my God, he's looked straight at camera. I can't have that. I'll have to do something else. And they then he did. They used the shot where his that, dad gets out and that's that's looks at they, camera. They yeah, didn't have anything they better. Didn't have any... Yeah, there's probably something where his dad looked at the camera and wiped it down or something. <laughs> Because apparently he was oh having it up God, even worse. Dad really, really wanted to be in this film. He really and now, wanted to be in this now film. Now Dad has an agent and he's trying to be an actor. Seriously. And, and he was like forming a contract environment with Dee Wallace when he was yeah, driving he's like, around. He's really well, genuinely getting along with Dee. Like, yeah. We don't know her perspective though. Yeah. Because Craig was just like, is she just going to try to keep this weird man away from her? <laughs> But yeah, he was forming this whole backstory to the police officer who wanted a mm. scene where he was out having coffee earlier, and it was. Mm. I think that's because he wanted to be in the movie more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't say that watching these two films together, the, the film and the documentary, are an insight into the way movies are made. I think so. I would argue that's an insight into the way this movie is made. All oh, right, that's fair. Um, you're right. I also think if you're, we talked about how. We're not film experts, but we do by this point know things about how films made. We mm. we can see things that do or do not happen a given way when we're watching that documentary. Mm. There is territory that is familiar to viewers like us mm. who are familiar with film as a world. Yeah. And there was something that was really weird to me, and it struck me really hard in the doco, given that Craig Anderson has worked so much on television and film. There's a comment he makes early on where he laments the fact that the movie's going to end up being 18 minutes long because he's already gone through... Oh, just because he keeps 
Yeah, yeah, he's 90, 18 minutes in, he's cut seven minutes or yeah, something. Yeah, he's, he's like 90 minutes into his like recorded footage and he's got about eight minutes of actual footage. That's how it works. And as I've said before, well, that's the thing. As I've said before, you know, on that brief period where I was in movies, we were... No, I've mentioned this before. Have you? No. Have I not mentioned this? You've told us about you and your brother making a horror movie with a no. potato All right. pressure. Okay. We know that bit. I'm sure I mentioned this, but on the off chance I have it. Let me give <laughs> you, you a quick... You should have seen the looks Granny and I just gave each other. I have been in a movie with Mel Gibson. Oh, God, yes, all right, I do know that. You were four! <laughs> no, but, I, yeah, but this is the point. There is a le- there's a legitimate point. I'm not saying I, I, I was in a movie and therefore I'm an expert. I want to I want to make a point. So, let me... let me. Well, how many steps from you and Kevin Bacon? Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, no, I'm only about four. I'm literally only about four steps from Kevin Bacon. So if ever you need to buy the Kevin Bacon game, fucking use me. Seriously. Anyway, so. Oh, Lord. Very quick. There is a genuine point to this. So let me just say. <laughs> one of Mel Gibson's very early movies was a movie called The Year of Living Dangerously. It's a semi-based in real story about a reporter who goes to Southeast Asia to report on a particular dictator. And it's one of those standards sort of falls in love. gets. A, it's got a very similar beat process to Good Morning Vietnam. Journalist goes into an environment they're totally unprepared for, gets involved with the wrong people, and then has to get out very, very fast. It's an amazing movie. It's worth watching. Anyway, they were filming this movie in the country in question, and things got too heated. So they had to come back and they had to do a lot of pickups in Australia. We were living in Richmond at the time. My dad was in the Air Force, and we were Which living Richmond? on the Richmond, Richmond Air Force Base in New South Wales. And That's a fair question. The no, no, yeah, of no. Knowing Richmond is yep. not the Air Force Base. Well, yes, well, I also had to go to one of the Richmonds and the GPS kept trying to direct me to the other one. Oh, mm. well, that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Now, I was 10 or 9 at the time, and there was a shot that they needed, which is actually the shot that plays over the opening credits. Were you four because you wasn't even born? No, 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 no. I was, I was 10. No, you oh, was born I in... thought... Wait, no, okay. no, no. Oh, yeah, Ewan was born in Australia, of course. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, I thought you were much younger. No. So I was about seven to ten. I can't remember the exact age because, funnily enough, I was really young. So Ewan was four. Ewan was about four, yeah. <laughs> Ewan wasn't in this one. I'll anyway, so they were doing a lot of pick-up shoots. They were doing a lot of second year. <coughs> um, but all the primaries were there. All the principals were there. I had Mel Gibson's autograph. Sigourney Weaver was here. A bunch of other people were actually doing a lot of filming. They were filming on the Air Force Base, and there was a shot they needed for the opening credits where Mel Gibson's character, the journalist, arrives in Indonesia. I want to say Indonesia. I really hope it is. Arrives in Indonesia. And then you're in the movie. We weren't. I know. I Yeah. And they have the plane, and the theory was is that the planes arrived, a whole bunch of tourists are going to Southeast Asia for the holidays, and they arrive and they see a semi-militarised environment. Now, as a bunch of extras, we... Uh, it's the Sahato regime. Mm-hmm. We had period haircuts. We were given period costumes. Individuals were given period props. I think Dad was given a Time magazine cover at the time that somebody had had made up. We had craft services, we had tea, we had coffee. We basically, they had taken a plane, they had painted half of the plane, they'd got the local Vietnamese community around Richmond to come in and play soldiers, they got a couple of armoured cars, they painted one entire side of an aircraft. They had half a dozen cameras, they set themselves up, and the entirety of that shoot that night was... Mel Gibson walks out of the plane, walks down the stairs. A whole bunch of other people come out after him and are surprised by the fact that they are faced with armed forces and military people. There's a sub-story. The very first time we did the take, Dad walked out, got a bit weirded out, grabbed me as I went to run down the stairs. I started crying and the director came down and said that was amazing. And 
For three quarters of the night until about some crazy hour in the morning, we got on and off an aircraft. Think of all of that. Think of the production. Think of the cost. We are literally 30 seconds of blurred footage under the opening Mm. credits. You cannot see anyone. This was in the 80s. This was a second-tier Australian movie. And I think they talk about it with documentaries. It's something crazy. Yeah, like documentaries are used. 10 to 1 or, or 20 mm. to 1 ratio of filmed stuff versus what you keep. The idea that someone like Craig Anderson, who has worked tangentially in the industry for so many years before he's finally made his movie, could be blindsided by the fact that He's cutting so much out of his footage. We do lose a lot less on telly. Uh, okay, all right. Actually, that might be it, yeah. So he wasn't necessarily expecting that because you film a couple of versions and then you go to the next sequence and you film a bit more. Yeah, even though the markets are now very different and for some things it's changing, especially when you're talking, going to kind of hold up America as the industry here because it's where the divide was... Yeah, greatest for a while. It's not seen that this happens now, but it still stems from the idea that television would be consumed and dropped. Mm-hmm. Films may be reviewed again uh, and again. The BBC syndrome, where they basically just burned, over-recorded tons of stuff and never used it again. Even only 10, 15 years ago, you didn't issue entire television series in home media format. Mm. And that was because it was meant to go... Week after week. And, of mm. course, part of the thing going week after week is you can't just add another three months to your shoot. No. I mean, that is difficult in film, but we always hear of films that, oh, we've delayed the release of this film from, you know, May 2019 to January 2020. Okay. And we, the viewers, go, oh, bummer, but we accepted this thing that happens. Hmm. Even now, if you've got, like, 13 weeks of television and, you know, you've got a tighter schedule and chances are you've already booked in that release date. Other things have been based on your release date. So if you've got how you want episode one to go and you've got all that stuff in the can, you're going to move on to episode two. Mm. You might read, there will likely be some extra stuff, especially okay. as we go on in television and film, the divide gets less, but... You're not um, filming it in one big glut. You're filming it basically as a... Yeah. I look at the DVD sets, which I disregarded only a second ago but (laughs) you get a season of television you get 26 episodes and there'll be a feature out of deleted scenes yes yeah you get a film which is two hours of main content and you'll get a feature of deleted scenes the same length as for that entire season of television now there are huge exceptions to this there are films that are just made go to woe and barely have a second left over i mean especially when you talk prestige event series oh kellen has just i just today i learned face no, you're absolutely right. I've suddenly realised Craig is filming this like a TV show. Oh. I mean, Dee talks about the fact that oh, they don't do they don't do multiple takes. Yeah. And he does like one or two takes sometimes, and then he's he's always on the okay. It's time for us to do this. It's time yeah, for us yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's none of that looseness of that. There's something in the trivia on the IMDb page about I think there's like one line which is notionally ad libbed, and everything and else scary. is 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 all to. You're absolutely. He's filmed it as TV. That's how he could be blindsided by the yeah, fact that... He's planned it as TV. He's planned it as television. And that's when he gets the schedule, or rather he has his schedule and he's told this won't work because he's tried to mount it like a film, but he's planned it like a television. And he mentions the fact that he doesn't storyboard. And I would imagine you oh, probably right. don't oh, storyboard really too much. Oh, that frustrated me, not yeah. storyboarding. And I would imagine that probably if you think about something like, say, God, uh, throw uh, Home and Away or something like that, 
They probably don't storyboard every not. episode. You couldn't. You've got half a dozen fixed track shots. This is the beach sequence. Yeah. This is the outside, the whatever. You've got the 17 different positions that you stick your camera and your extras and so on. So you don't need to do all that storyboarding. You don't need to do all the stuff for film, but he doesn't have that. Wow. Sorry, yeah. that's a genuine mind. Yeah, he, can- uh, head cannon on that he has no pre-existing standing sets. I mean, yes, mm. the house exists, mm. but they yeah. still need to work out how to use all <laughs> Which this. Which they scope at fucking two o'clock in the morning. That was hilarious. <laughs> And waking up the people inside. We're real fucking close to the house now, Gary. Okay, okay, just so you know. And in case you don't want to shine any big fucking lights. <laughs> yeah, sorry, go. On a regular TV series, and it sounds like most of what he worked on was that. Yeah. yeah. He would have known, or I'm not sure what his job was each time, but people make it would have known what they had available for a running series. Like you mm-hmm. compared it to Home and Away. They would know they've got this place, this place, this yeah. place. Yeah, that's right. And, and they know and exactly how the lights work in those places. And then chances are they have lights there already. Yeah. Exactly. And he and the other thing is that he actually talks about when he had to go back and do more work to get money. It's interview, which is a bog standard format in television. You've such and such an angle, two yeah. cameras, seventeen lights all in such and such a position, you film the main, you film the back You film the back person in the mm. other direction, you've got the camera set up in a certain way, you've got the seat set up in a certain way. Yeah, it's all stuff he would never have... Wow, sorry. Yeah. That's... And again, we're talk- you're right, we're talking broadly again because mm. of what yeah. I've said about the changing nature of both industries, but television has traditionally been a lot more forgiving of longer takes and shots. Yeah, yeah. because that's what we do. Yes. That's what they do. Uh, FII, you were probably about eight years old. They had a $6 million budget for the Year of Living Nature, which is the equivalent of about $30 million now. Wow. And that makes sense. It's pretty different. Because, like I said, it's – and even then, but it was still – it was we, we kind of got the impression it was tight, and they literally, you know, three quarters of a night to film a sequence that ended up being – 30 seconds under the opening credits. And yeah. you can't see any of us. I mean, like, you can kind of get a blurry image of me in the background. But there were, you know, two dozen people that mm. were getting on and off that plane. Yeah, and they went to all the trouble of giving your dad a period you, time magazine. They, they gave us haircuts. They, they literally and sat us all down and gave them. us haircuts. And we had food and we were taken care of. And um, they had armed all of the, you know, all of the, the Vietnamese um, people that they brought in. They put them in armour. They were... They painted probably they, generic they, Asian that's it, around the base. It wasn't. It wasn't we, even. We have just heard there were Vietnamese people playing Indonesian people. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. But there's that whole sort of North Korean, South Korean. Uh, oh God, who, which actor was it? There was an. Oh my God, no! Uh, it's my oh, girlfriend's gosh. brother. My girlfriend's brother um, has been generic foreign person of incredibly wide range of. What are you talking about, Callum? So. My girlfriend... Brooke. Yes. Has a brother... Scott. No. Okay. Toa, who is a... That's a cousin. No. It's not her brother. Well, it's an adopted... Is, 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 is there any members of the family right here cousin. in the building that we could check with? I, mean, I thought it was like, oh no, you're right, it's a cousin. Sorry, okay, let me rephrase. Right, so it's start again. All the blank she, Sorry. She's like in the other room. Yes. You could ask okay. her. So Brooke has a Brooke has a cousin. Absolutely gorgeous cousin. Who is neutrally foreign and has been indeterminate foreign person and has, uh. has has played a range of nationalities. And so it's the same sort of thing. Yes, you know, you have a Vietnamese person, therefore we can make them Indonesian or they can make um, It's the joy of being in white film, apparently. Um, sorry, I'm shaking my head a little bit. We could probably talk for another half hour, but we shouldn't. 
Yeah, no, anyway, sorry. <laughs> the, the point I wanted to make was all of that money, all of that time invested, and it was literally 30 seconds. Mm. And that's the way film works. And that was my introduction to, you know, my introduction. That was, you know, I mm. saw film work that way. And Yeah, and while that's certainly up one end, it is clear in the documentary that Craig Anderson is not thinking no, along not. the lines or on along the lines that lead to that either. Yeah, he sense. has absolutely no idea what he's doing. I would because well, he has I, no idea what he's doing. He he by well by way of actually what's the end of this? He self he self confessed way out of his death. He starts he off not knowing. He does no. I would say he starts off not knowing he doesn't know what he's doing. Or oh, least well done. Yes, it. that's perfect. Yes. Yeah. Along the way. Unlike some other auteurs, he learns along the way. And he even says, I didn't know this, now I know this, but I have to deal with this somehow. I mean, yeah. big chunk in the middle about how he didn't know about sorting all of the Screen Actors Guild stuff out for Dee Wallace. Oh, yes. And that was a lot of running about and a lot of And then money, getting which a, was a very... loan from, um, uh, from one of the producers. Mm. And like I said, Dee Wallace actually appears as a producer in this movie. Generally speaking... That means I gave you money. Yeah. Producer is someone who provides money. I would be interested if he... It's not apparently in the Oh, we can see Todd's name doesn't appear. He never... Yeah. Did you want to talk very quickly about the work experience person? Uh, I I just really want to say real quick, uh, one of the first assistant directors is listed as Alexei Toliopoulos uh, in the making of... They label who people are. He's a work experience kid. (laughs) So basically, I think he... Mummy and Daddy lent out some money. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, I think we need to kill this. Because in a thing about the documentary, uh, Rob Anderson is listed as transport chief slash Craig's dad. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I would absolutely say watch this. Like, if you're interested in filmmaking, watch Red Christmas Mm. purely so you can go on and watch... Treat it like a Ramona Clef. Treat What's it like... the word I'm looking for? What's the making of called? Horror movie, a low-budget nightmare. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, sorry, rather film, bro, sorry. Yes, yes. So watch Red Christmas just real quick, and then you can go and watch a horror movie, a low-budget nightmare. But treat really them as, well as commentaries on each other. For the sake of it, for Red Christmas itself, eh, it's totally acceptable, but with that fully realised documentary about the process, it's... Amazing. Yeah. It's almost, they should be, hey, if we happen to know some uh, Australian uh, movie DVD releasing organisation, let's call them Umbrella. Um, They've got the on-demand right thread Christmas. Nice. Well, this well, Umbrella should... is uh, one of the releases for this, but also is art exploitation, which might be worth checking out in the future. Art exploitation. Art exploitation. Oh, yeah, I think I saw them listed for something else I was researching the other day. They were listed just alongside mm. uh, Umbrella mm. for distribution. And uh, uh, to ask the question I always ask, is this exploitation? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Ticks, ticks so many of the standard boxes. Oh, usually boxes. we prevaricate for 20 minutes on no, that, I'm, but we've I'm, done enough. I'm totally involved with this. And I don't I'm, even... I'm, sadly, I think Craig may feel like he's exploited himself Yes, yeah. oh. I was actually going to say, where I've actually asked previously... But whose fault is... But that's what is <laughs> well. Take? I think this is the sad thing is he would say it was his fault. I am able to have the cognitive distance to say he has made a less than wonderful movie, but he is very much aware of what he's put himself mm. through. And I would hundred percent agree. And this has been sold to Netflix US, but he still wants to make a Red Christmas sequel <laughs> called Red Christmas to 
Coffin birth. Yeah, that's that's so Wizo Edward levels of yeah, uh, that's lack right. of self awareness. Yeah. No, we are going kind of we are hearing on we are hewing towards that no, that's not the word either. We are leaning towards that kind of cult dodgy movie thing. I mean yeah. someone has made a documentary about the making of this. Mm. A lot of bad Is films. Someone it's he himself. I Yeah, I, but the fact that it got picked up and distributed and mm. it's out there to watch. And it's not just something else shoved onto the DVD release no. of the film. True. Means there's a little bit of a cult and recognition thing already for it. Mm. So by this point, by the point we're at now in reality, I would say the idea of making a Red Christmas 2 is, well, I wouldn't say it's necessarily going to happen, but the thought isn't completely un- unreasonable. Unre- unreasonable, no. It'd be like if, if someone said, Let's make the well. If Tommy Wiseau said, "Let's make the room too," we would say, "Has that not happened?" No, no, he's made another film. Well, he's... It's called Shark Movie. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. But you know, we go well. Yeah, because we know that the room became this cult, cult. weird thing yeah. that it mm. makes sense to try to make another one. The problem that has, and I'm surprised we haven't looked at this concept before. We may have at least discussed it as people rather than podcast. Is trying to make a sequel to a so bad it's good movie mm. because most of the time you didn't make it was so bad it's good on purpose the first time. Kel- well, Daria, we are sad here because we're watching Birdemic 2 after this. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, <laughs> James Nguyen doesn't know he made a so bad it's good movie. No. Uh, he thinks he made a very good movie and he made another very good movie and he's trying to make a third. He's trying to make. He's trying to make like Thirdemic or something. <laughs> if they don't call it that, that's a crime. Yeah. But yeah. the people who made Maniac Cop, that's the one that... Um, oh, Maniac ha- Cop, I love that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I expect you all to meet Blakely when I introduce a cop movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. You know Maniac Cop? I genuinely yeah. don't know it. I think I may have got to it through Cynthia that we used to work oh, with. Oh, wow. was very awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah. On a review channel I love that reviews cult and SBIG and just weird films. Give them a shout out. Oh, Movie Nights, hosted by Alison Pregler. Props. Uh, she, she has said... The, by the time it came time to make Maniac Cop 2, everyone knew why it was famous, even mm. the people who made it, which meant it was very hard to replicate what people liked about it. That's the first why time. I know it's Bruce Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> and this was, well, that was actually, and this has been my, my question about. No, whether hang on, it's Samurai Cop. Ah. So we're not after Maniac Cop here, we're after Samurai Cop. Yeah. Right. Everything uh, I just said was about. Samurai Cop, not Maniac. So Samurai Cop. Disregard. Yeah. Maniac Cop has. All those things about being weird film about it, I don't think the same mm. notorious notor- notoriety for its second trip round mm. was there. But the people who made Samurai Cup were definitely aware that this was why they were going back for a second. This is why they were successful to go back again. Oh, lordy. That does <laughs> not look is, great. And this is, this is the thing that I keep coming back to and why I have real trouble identifying movies made after a certain time as Ausploitation because Ausploitation, the concept of them... If you know you're doing it, if you're intentionally going yeah. to make it, I, I question whether it can be. This, looking at the documentary, whether or not Craig Anderson is aware of exploitation's genre, and I'm sure he was, he I don't think he felt he was making that. He thought he had a great He script. thought he had a story and a great He's He said he sent it to a whole bunch of famous American Hollywood kids. actors who said it was a good film. I am Which meant he was definitely going for that exploitation thing of you need an American face 100%. in the movie. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's as necessarily 
true now as it was in 1970, whatever. But there's enough Australian actors now that, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm I'm prepared and comfortable with this saying that this is an exploitation movie because I don't think Craig made it as an awareness of exploitation that that was what he was trying to do. And this is the thing I want to say. Massive props to Dee Wallace because she actually laments at the start of the documentary when they get her in about the fact she's seen as the mother in E.T. and so much of what she's done since then hasn't given her a chance to stretch. She talks about this movie like an intense gym routine. She actually yeah, says, quite good, actually. "No one." She said she took on this role. There because, are physical aspects which she hasn't had for yeah. a long time. And she said, "You know, I haven't handled this tour de force." emotional, physical kind of ride in some years. I just really thank God that I said yes. It's truly renewed my faith in myself as an actress. And it is. I mean, if you look at these kinds of movies in general, there's screaming, there's tears. You need to do tears. We haven't really gone deep dive on it, but the Jared O'Dwyer, the the sequence where they pull... Jared O'Dwyer's legitimate issues with his father to actually channel yeah, what Jerry needs to react with. It must have been so fucking weird in the environment, and it's where I come from the point of view of the, the Damn, movies. that lady's 71 now. Dee Wallace. Dee Wallace. Yeah, Good well, on you. Yeah, and I, um, I was going to say, what she definitely gets to do and what this does bring in this this has no caveats about it, is we do have a bit of battle action from an older woman. Fuck yeah! And that's yeah. something you don't get enough of, because there is a bit of that in the cinema now, but most mm. of them are older women who are doing it because they were younger women in earlier movies. Yeah, 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 100%. She has come straight to it as a pushing 70 mm. character. And, and she and, looks so sweet. She's and wonderful. The ones that are doing it, Linda Hamilton, Sigourney Weaver and others... That's right. ...have got, I mean, even if not necessarily a constant uh, personal trainer, have you know, been given one in preparation for a movie. They do, you know, weeks and months beforehand. I don't think Red Christmas provided Dee Wallace with a personal trainer for months before this film. No. I'd, I'd like to work out and get myself fit. <laughs> uh, this phone book's be heavy. Yeah. I, I and, don't think they even sent her an audible no. credit, to and, be honest. And now we want you to run with this giant chained anchor, which looks fucking real. It does. It um, looks great. I love that she's in sensible shoes as well. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Speaking so, of unnecessarily looking real, placenta? Oh, my God. Let's very briefly. The movie had an insulted midwife. Uh, So, which is a bit weird to start with because it's pretty much a movie birth, you know, grunt pop, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, how much consultation you need for that other than watching other movies? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... Or Buck and Giggle. Yeah. But, again, it's not an obstetrics documentary, so movie birth. Is fine. Movie birth is fine. I mean, so, like a movie pregnancy with half a bowling ball is fine. And Three for, bowling balls. for some reason they found it essential that when she gives birth that the placenta and cord are there, which, granted, are pretty much absent in any other movie birth. That's right. And I'm going to actually call you on they. Craig decided. Yeah, this is totally Craig because Brian, Brian Moses. <laughs> no, and I just uh, love I thought that his name. consultant midwife might have been leaning on him for that and going, all the time in movies when they show birth, there is never there's a placenta. There's never a realistic placenta. Good Fucking for draw one we can make. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Okay, so he decided to break that mold and show the placenta, which really he barely does. And in fact, the camera lingers on it. And the lighting in the room is so bad, it's relevant. And it's yeah. a red balloon with a purple tube coming out of it for yeah. all intents and purposes. It could easily a have been made with a... Yeah. yeah. I mean, placentas 
are pretty much blobs. Yes. Yes, very much so. I dare say, oh, in fact, Brian Moses says this, I dare say the effects people could have yeah. knocked one together to felt um, really necessary. That's right. Red- I do feel sorry for Brian Moses several times. Yeah, red, wet but- blob is not going to stretch your Harryhausens or your... Who was the guy who came up with all the alien effects and um, Terminator? No, not Dick Smith. Um... Different one, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Must be a few of them out there. Oh, Stan Winston? Stan Winston, yes. We're not talking Stan Winston levels of ability to provide a red, wet blob here. And the only reason we see it is because after the character moves out of the way, having given birth, is the camera stays on where she was to show us placenta. If they had just cut away when she started to move, which we would not have questioned, we wouldn't have seen there was or wasn't a placenta. This was not Chekhov's placenta. (laughs) This yeah. they, didn't the, they didn't go completely wild and grab their umbilical cord and try to strangle Cletus. And that would have been fucking funny. Yeah. Or using it like a flail. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I vote Dario remake this. Movie. I love it. I would be so All right. Cool. Let's wrap this. I think we're done, yeah. There's so much to still talk about. Four yeah. hours later. You see this because it's... Absolutely. Dari has commented in the past that when we simply all hate a movie, it's so much easier to edit because we don't go off on these tangents. For one of us... C-plug. This one actually prompted a ton of conversation. So if nothing else, fucking props to Craig and his crew for that. I guess it all just remains to bid the listeners a Merry Christmas. A very messy Quesnas. Yeah, or if they're not into that, then have a nice day. Yeah, heathens. (laughs) (laughs) And are we going to score this one? If you want. I'm just going to make shit up. You know, I don't like giving scores. It feels judgmental. <laughs> now I've just talked shit about someone Fuck you. for I, the last look, three and a, I've come eight to, quarter I've hours. I've come to terms with that. I will give scores. I give scores, but they're very raw. How much do I enjoy the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't matter if I can see the production values are good or bad true. or if I can see a deep story in how it was made or not. It's how much did I enjoy the experience of those, On a scale in this case, of 82 minutes. Yeah. And in this case, not least because we've shown our appreciation for weird horror movies you can watch with a few friends and sort of have a bit of a, have a bit of a follow and a chat about and a laugh at. I am prepared to give this, and I'm getting this one, I'm giving it three placentas. Wow. <laughs> All right. No wonder who was going to have the placentas. Nice. Go I was on. wondering. I'm going to give this two scores. Because I genuinely think that if you watch this in isolation, I don't think it's a good movie and it's got a fucked up level of tone. So if you were to just watch Red Christmas, I'm giving it one and a half medicinal joints out of five. But if you watch it in tandem with the documentary, if you see the two together, possibly then if you go back and watch it a second time, that combination... You don't need to do that. I tried it. Stop. <laughs> that combination, I'm giving it three severed penises. And... I am giving this one Cletus the Fetus because it's a gateway movie. Two <laughs> horror movie, a low-budget nightmare. Check that shit out. Cool. Thank you. So, so until next time when we're going to jump right to a whole different type of movie. With Royalty. Wake, with Wake in Fright. I'm scared. Yes. So, so that'll bring in your new year. We'll have 2020 vision on Wake in Fright. Uh, 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 uh. But <laughs> until then, I've been Daria. I'm probably November. And I'm still Callum. Thank you and good night. Good
listening to November Kalamandaria on the Podsploitation Christmas Special. Audio production opening poem by Daria with apologies to Clement Clark Moore. You can find this show on your podcatcher of choice. Contact us on Facebook, on Twitter or Instagram as at Podsploitation or by email to podsploitation at gmail.com. If you would like to make us a Christmas gift by supporting the show, donations can be made at paypal.me slash podsploitation. See music, Creation Time by Kilo Cuts. Find and purchase their work at www.musicbrowser.de. All other material used is for review or illustration only. No claim or infringement is intended and it remains the copyright of their respective holders. No jars of peanuts were harmed in the making of this podcast. Podsploitation is a Moment of Mayhem production.